Welcome into the Locked On Knicks podcast. I'm Gavin Shaw, and tonight we'll take you through another eighth straight, unfortunately, heartbreaking loss to the Brooklyn Nets, Emmanuel Quickly's brilliance, and the Knicks' upcoming schedule and how it relates to their playoff positioning right now on Locked On Knicks. You are Locked On Knicks, your daily New York Knicks podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. And I think we see Willis coming out. There he comes right now. You are locked on Knicks, and today's episode is brought to you by Prize Picks. First time users can receive a hundred percent instant deposit match up to a hundred dollars with promo code. Locked on, that's prizefix.com, promo code locked on, and who's talking to you? I am Gavin Shaw, your favorite play-by-play broadcaster's favorite play-by-play broadcaster. I want to thank you for making Locked on Knicks your first listen today, and every day we are now available on all platforms, and that includes on YouTube. So if you haven't gone and checked this out on YouTube yet, please go do that. Uh, It's a whole lot of fun, and we'd encourage you to like and subscribe so you never, ever miss an episode. If you're watching on YouTube, you'll know this is not my typical setup uh, i'm recording out of uh, my friend's office uh in arizona where i'm currently on vacation uh the new york knicks were on vacation from playing defense against the brooklyn nets um yeah i couldn't come up with anything better than that a 122 to 115 loss against the nets for the new york knicks um hard to call it i know i did in the in the little teaser hard to fully call it a heartbreaker when like the Knicks did not deserve to win this game. They were down by 18 in the first half. They were down by 19 in the second half. And the Nets absolutely shredded them with uh, San Antonio Spurs uh, circa 2014 passing and uh, equivalent shooting as well. They finished 22 of 40 from three-point range and just repeatedly put together these back-breaking swing-swing sequences. I mean, the, the one that that stuck with me um, was Kyrie Irving with about a little less than two minutes left in the game, trapped in the corner, opposite wing, um, throws like a prayer of a cross-court pass to Joe Harris. Joe Harris jumps, redirects it to Seth Curry. Seth Curry hits the three before the shot clock buzzer. And, and to me, that was kind of the defining summation of this loss for the Knicks. It was sort of the apex of... Not great defense. It wasn't. It wasn't always terrible for New York, but it, it, it was just never enough. And there were. I mean, we can. We'll, we'll go through examples as we go. But R.J. Barrett um, was absent-minded a lot in this game and just didn't play with enough effort on that end of the floor, which has obviously become a theme for him this season. Julius Randle had plays where he was spacing out, gave up just a wide-open three to Royce O'Neal at one point because of it. Um, and there wasn't uh, just across the board. I mean, Jericho Sims had a space cadet play. There wasn't a sense of urgency in terms of executing closeouts, executing switches, um, executing uh, just about everything defensively. This this was a team that looked like they were playing at like 85% effort and a lot of times wanted wanted the credit for effort without actually putting it in. And that was that was like a lot of like I would I would call like fake effort closeouts where where the shots essentially already up and like, and someone's just then deciding to scramble to the corner. Um, that was, I, I think a very common uh, happening early in the season for the Knicks, not so much over these last 
30 games or so. Um, but tonight it was maybe there's something about playing Brooklyn. It, it was back in full force. And then the other side of that coin is there was some ridiculous shot making from the Nets. I mean, what Kyrie Irving did down the stretch of this game, 20 points in the fourth quarter, but particularly the last two minutes, right? Had that hockey assist that I mentioned that he, he essentially created out of thin air um, and just hit two backbreaking deep threes, uh, torched Emmanuel quickly in transition on a play where quickly didn't even play bad defense. Um, and it, it tells you the, the magic of having a, a genuine, um, offensive superstar and it feels it feels weird to say that right because that sounds like a, a subtweet of a, either um or, or rather both of julius randall and uh jalen brunson and i'm coming off um that celtics game where i came on here and, and talked about how you know maybe the gap between randall and those guys isn't as big as we think and to some extent i still believe that and to some extent i i think it's just worth acknowledging that Kyrie pound for pound is is as talented as as any offensive player on earth, maybe, maybe, maybe short of Steph. Um, I think they, I would put them in a similar category in, in terms of just raw skill, in terms of effort every night, execution, obviously Steph um, in a class of his own. But look, Kyrie's the leading point scorer in the fourth quarter. That should, that in, in the entire NBA for the whole season, that should tell you something. And I think it is apparent that as incredible as Jalen Brunson is with his efficiency, as outstanding as Julius Randle. And I mean, ESPN flashed the stat on the graphics averaging, what, like 28 points per game since the start of December. Um, that is, that is capital S superstar stuff from Randle. Um, they don't have a, they don't have someone like Kyrie. And I guess that, that goes both ways in that they don't, I mean, for, for all the havoc we've had with Julius Randle, um, it is never, it has never quite gotten to the level of uh, what, what Kyrie Irving has going on in Brooklyn. And uh, that's an under, that's the understatement of the year. Not even close to that. Um, but it, it, it helps to have someone like Kyrie Irving, right? Because that, that level of shot making um, the, the Knicks haven't had a guy like that um, ever, which is, it's crazy to say um, beyond that. I want to take a look at where the Knicks are and what's going to happen going forward for the New York Knicks. Um, but first, I got to tell you all about prize picks. Um, and the beauty of prize picks is you get to uh, you get to invest in in your favorite players production. That is, if you if you genuinely believe um, in that production. So here's how it works tonight. I'm going to take Julius Randle um, over 24 and a half points. I'm going to take RJ Barrett over six and a half rebounds. I'm taking Jalen Brunson over four and a half assists. Um, so you pick two to six players, and if they go score more or less than their prize pick projection, you're going up to 25 times your money on any entry, no competing against other people. It's just you versus the projections available. Prize picks offers projections on any sport you can watch. That includes the NBA, NFL, MLB, NHL, PGA, college football, men's college basketball, women's college basketball, soccer, WBA, esports, NASCAR, tennis, MMA, boxing, disc golf, Euro basketball, cricket, and more. Entries can be made in 60 seconds or less. It's that easy. So download the PrizePix app or go to prizepix.com to sign up and play daily fantasy sports. First-time users can receive 100% instant deposit match up to $100 with promo code LOCKDOWN. If you deposit $100, PrizePix will give you $100. If you deposit $50, PrizePix will give you $50. So don't forget to enter promo code LOCKDOWN and sign up for an instant deposit match up to $100. And uh, with that, we are back on LOCKDOWN. Knicks. as promised, I want to... I want to dive deep into the Knicks playoff positioning. So they are currently 
the seventh seed in the Eastern Conference at 27 and 24. They are one game in back of the Miami Heat uh, for the sixth seed. They're two and a half in, or excuse me, three and a half now in back of the Cleveland Cavaliers. Um, for the fifth seed, uh, four in back of the Nets. For four, and that those are really the only teams that are within striking distance. The Hawks are one and a half games back of them as the eight seed, and the Wizards are three, and the Bulls are three as the nine and ten seeds, respectively. So for the Knicks, there's there's a lot of ways to go in both directions, right? Very feasible. Um, they get up to the six. I think it's going to be challenging to catch any of Boston, Philly, Milwaukee, Brooklyn. And, and that's where this Nets game had, um, as, as I should probably take on the prize picks banner, that's where this Nets game had um, significant implications um, where if the Knicks win this one, um, they are obviously a, a whole lot closer and they have a chance at that tiebreaker with the Nets. Um, now they, they could still get it. They have two more games left against the Nets this season, um, if, if memory serves. Uh, but it feels increasingly less likely they're going to get that far up. And if you're going to beat the Nets, you want to beat them, obviously, when they don't have Kevin Durant, because it gets a whole lot harder when he is healthy and well. Um, So as far as the upcoming schedule, the Knicks, I think despite the loss of Mitchell Robinson, the the bare minimum over the next nine games should be three and six. I think four and five and five and four are the most realistic options, right? They get the Lakers at home on Tuesday. Um, they get the heat at home on Thursday. They get the Clippers at home on Saturday, um, Sixers at home on Sunday. And you can, you can obviously, this is a very reasonable argument that a homestand is the last thing the Knicks want, uh, given that they are the second best road team in the league. And they're one of what, like three or four teams in the whole NBA to have a losing record at home this year. Uh, that number actually seems too low, but they're, they're certainly one, uh, one of very few teams that has a winning record and has a losing record at home. That is, uh, nearly impossible to do. Um, that heat game is going to determine a lot. And I think it will show us just how much this team has in the reserves, because again, this was another night where they look like a tired team and it's hard to gauge if that is unique in the NBA right now, if everyone's crashing a little bit before the all-star break, but it seems at times like this team and particularly their stars and in, in Brunson and Randall are fatigued to some extent, or if, if not just, indifferent um, defensively and Miami, if you're indifferent defensively, despite their inconsistencies this year, they will make you pay and they're going to be extraordinarily hard to score on the Lakers. That's another tough one in the sense that uh, both LeBron and Anthony Davis are sitting the upcoming game against the nets um, and they will be fresh um, and they will have revenge on their mind after um, the, the NBA uh, officials uh, Twitter account uh, came out and said they screwed up uh, the call against the Celtics. Then that game, the Clippers game, they could win game. They could lose. I don't really have a great feel for that one. The Clippers are, are not playing well of late, but eminently losable against Kawhi Leonard and Paul George. Um, then you get two and two out of three against the Sixers. You get Philly at home, you get Orlando on the road, then you get Philly on the road. The Knicks can, they, the Orlando game is a must win. And if they could somehow split those two with Philly, I think that is a tall task. I think Philly, particularly with no Mitchell Robinson, presumably at that point, um, is an exceptionally tough matchup for the Knicks. Um, you get the Jazz. I think the Knicks actually match up really well with the Jazz. They should win that. You get the Nets one more time. Big question. Um, that's that's Monday, February 13th. That is right around the time Kevin Durant should be coming back. Will he be back? Um, I think that will make or break that one. And then you have one more game before the All-Star break, Wednesday, February 15th at Atlanta. Um, That is an absolute must win.
um, for the Knicks. Uh, they have uh, they obviously struggled last time they played the Hawks, but they cannot afford to lose that one. And uh, I don't know. I have a good. I know. It's, I know it's a little while out, and, and who, who knows who's going to be healthy? Who knows who's going to be playing? But I have a good feeling about that one for the Knicks. If I was if I was looking forward. I think the Knicks are in approximately the same position they are right now. I don't think they end up jumping Miami, um, especially without Mitch. Uh, but I, I think it's completely reasonable that they stay in the seventh seat and they maintain that lead over the Hawks. Um, and we'll, we will see if they can get out of the plan with a really good spur to play. But to continue on, on this Nets game, um, let's start with RJ Barrett because I on, on paper, right, really good game for him statistically um nine for 16 from the field three for five from three three for four from the line 24 points six rebounds two assists um but i think this is i i know i know we all kind of uh or maybe not all of us but some of us crap on clyde for referencing a plus minus a single game plus minus as an end-all be-all statistic but i think this is pretty telling julius randall 38 minutes finished this game plus six in when the knicks lost by seven uh, Jalen Brunson, 37 minutes, still finishes game plus eight when the Knicks lost by seven. RJ Barrett, 31 minutes, minus I don't think that was a fluke. So we can start off with what he did well. And, and to me, that was that was matchup hunting in this game. The Knicks had a, a significant size advantage at a number of key spots on Brooklyn, who decided without Kevin Durant, um, as they've been doing of late, to to just go out there and play four shooters around Nick Claxton. You have an absolutely elite defender in Claxton, worthy contender for defensive player of the year, probably should make an all-defensive team, and Mitchell Robinson's injury will only help lock that up. And you have Royce O'Neal, who's, who's a pretty good defender. And then you have Kyrie, who, who's talented on that end of the floor, but largely indifferent. You have Joe Harris, who, who tops out at average, is probably a little bit below that. And then you have Seth Curry, who was a walking turnstile, and you should be able to mow over. And to RJ's credit, um, in the third quarter, where the Knicks scored 16 points in the paint, RJ had eight of those. And repeatedly, he just took advantage of, of mismatches with the three aforementioned weak points. He had a lefty um, banker, um, uh, like jump hook on Joe Harris. He had a really nice move on Kyrie Irving, where Kyrie kind of sneaky strong, like, um, obviously just because of his height, someone you want to post up, but not necessarily as easy as he looks in those situations. Um, but RJ got in with the reverse pivot, two step to the rim, uh, righty finish. Um, and then, uh, came back down. I think got another one on Seth Curry. That, that might've been a little earlier in the quarter. And it was, it was good to see because in the first half, I thought RJ didn't do a good job taking advantage of that. Like had a, one play with Seth Curry where he just passed it away and had another play where, and this is, this is like one of my, one of my big pet peeves uh, when this happens. Um, he had Curry on him, which is, which is already the mismatch you want. And then called for a screen from, I can't remember. It was, it was either Hardenstein or Sims. And he got Claxton switched on him. So you have one of the worst defenders in the league. And then you call for a screen to get one of the best defenders in the league to switch on you. And it, it's moments like that, where it just feels like guys are, and, and RJ in particular has been guilty of this at times this year, more so on defense than on offense. But for someone who's, who's a very smart basketball player, like you're just, you're clearly not thinking and you're just kind of operating off of like, I don't, I don't know, habit to some extent. And maybe, maybe you could argue that's on the screen or like whoever was either Hartenstein or Sim should know just not to come up in that situation, no matter what. Um, but that was, that was kind of a mystifying one. But my bigger issue with RJ Barrett in this game was defensively. Um, had a great block on Seth Curry in the early going, but then 
just play after play where there just wasn't a lot of effort. I mean, had um, it was was guarding Edmund Sumner in in transition and and never really got down into a defensive stance. Sumner, who is is, is a decent player, but as far as NBA rotation players goes, on the lower end of things, just blew by RJ for a layup at one point. Um, had a had another one in transition where he 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 scored. And then it was like he wanted to get the ball right back. And he just, it was, it, it's kind of, it was honestly like what, what you see from like little kids at times in pickup games where they just go racing to the ball out of frustration. And he just ran over to Kyrie Irving to double him. Royce O'Neal, who was, who was scalding in this game, was hitting basically four pointers without DP was shooting, wide open on the left wing, bangs one home. And it, it's within, I don't know, what was it, three seconds off the shot clock, one pass, about as easy as NBA basketball can get. And, Again, for RJ, it's it's kind of like it feels like emotion over over what is actually the right thing to do, and and trying to basically trying to play hero ball defensively. Like we always talk about hero ball offensively, that was that was hero ball defense um, for RJ. On the positive side of things, um, I, I thought uh, Emmanuel quickly had an incredible game for the Knicks. Jalen Brunson did some really good stuff. Julius Randle did some really good stuff. We'll we'll run through everyone on the Knicks to uh, wrap this one up. Uh, but before I do that, I I mean, it's it's that time of year, guys. Uh, I'm going to tell you a little bit about TurboTax. Go to TurboTax.com and don't do your taxes. Meet with an expert who'll do them for you. TurboTax experts can relieve you from the stress of taxes and file for you so you can do not taxes. Show your eyes things that are not taxes. Personally, I went on a hike today. That was not taxes. You can unpack a moving box of not taxes. Taste not taxes. Sing a lullaby. Hope not taxes sleeps through the night. With TurboTax, an expert will do your taxes from start to finish, ensuring your taxes are done right, guaranteed, so you can relax. Feels good to be done with your taxes, doesn't it? Come to TurboTax and don't do your taxes. Visit TurboTax.com to learn more. Intuit TurboTax, full-service products only, video meeting while expert does your taxes required. See guaranteed details at TurboTax.com slash guarantees. Speaking of a guarantee at this point, it is becoming a guarantee that Emmanuel quickly is going to light your team up. Uh, for someone who, through the first 40 games of the season, I think we rightfully had major, major concerns that his rookie season was a fluke from a three-point shooting perspective. Still fair to have those concerns, still a fairly small sample size, but IQ over the first 41 games of the year shot 33% from three-point range. Um, after a scalding performance against the Nets, he is shooting 41% from distance over his last 10 games. Um, our guy Tom Piccolo did an even deeper dive, so over IQ's last 15 games, is averaging 17 points, uh, just under five rebounds, three assists, less than one turnover game, maybe the most impressive number on the whole list. Um, in 34 minutes a night, 58% from two-point range, 38% from three-point range, 43% on catch-and-shoot threes, 61.3% true shooting percentage, um, and a plus 80 total plus minus. Um, I think we are – look, I've called my shot with Quickly before, and and it was – there was that incredible stretch his rookie season, right, where um, – I mean, the game I always I always go back to, and I'm sure many of you do, is when he, when he just torched Dame and the Trailblazers, I mean, overtime – and and Dame kind of who's who's a hero to him kind of came up to him and been like man like cool off a little bit, um and then the last five games of last season or what was it? he put up like twenty six points per game super efficiently was getting to the rim and then and then he has those bad stretches and it's kind of similar to RJ and and look I mean to some extent it's kind of on us as fans and analysts to realize like this is this is what young players do right they get really hot they look amazing and then they hit a wall and then and then, and then they make a big leap and then they hit a wall 
progress is very rarely linear in the NBA. It's kind of cliched. We say it all the time. Everyone says it all the time, but it is, it is very much uh, a truism. Um, but what I'm seeing from quickly right now feels sustainable, not necessarily how well he's shooting. I personally think over time he averages out and is probably somewhere around a 36, 37% three point shooter, which um, is, and there's a difference right between three point shooting talent and actual three point shooting, right? Like if he's on, he's on the nets and he's getting some of the shots that Seth Curry gets, he's probably, a, he probably is a 40% three point shooter. Um, but on this Knicks team where he, where a lot of it's self-created, like, like even in this game, like a lot of it was, was dribble handoffs where he was shooting from 28 feet or he had one. Um, I, I love that him and Hartenstein are, are really developing a nice chemistry on this where quickly will uh, be like kind of deep on the wing. Hartenstein will post up top of the key. IQ will throw it to Hartenstein. And, and even though he's done it, a bunch of defenses don't seem to see it coming. It just all of a sudden burst of speed. Um, I heart just tosses it right back to him and quickly just bombs one in from 30 feet out. Um, so the shooting I think will, will fluctuate a little bit just because if you're taking those kind of attempts, if you're not a Kyrie Irving or Steph Curry, it is, it is extraordinarily difficult and rare and honestly somewhat fluky to be a 40% three point shooter. What really encourages me about quickly continues to be his defense and perhaps even more so his ability to get to the rim. Like he, he had this one play where he had a, between the legs crossover was on this was this was, he starts off on the right wing right gets back to the middle of the floor top of the key hesitates and then bursts to the rim and what really stands out is I mean so many times as a rookie like I mean you well first of all not even as a rookie really his second year but as a rookie he was he he, he kind of knew that he didn't have it in his back so he didn't even take layups second year kind of gets more ambitious with layups gets his stuff swatted a whole bunch um, this season um, is making layups that are closely contested of late though he's been getting real separation. Um, between him and and defenders, and and that is with with hesitations, with his ability to drive almost at a right angle, and how low he can get, and and his flexibility, um, and then his explosiveness, like around the basket, which is still like, I don't know if it's even average for an NBA point guard. I would say it's probably below that, but considering he was, I don't know, like bottom five percentile in the league, maybe that's even generous. Like he's amongst the worst in the league in that category amongst point guards um, when he first came into the NBA. That is. Um, for Emmanuel quickly. All right. Um, so that's IQ. Uh, Jalen Brunson in this one. Another another kind of slow start for a guy who I, I think the the brilliance of of Brunson this year has has generally been that like he doesn't like it's just in the consistency right. Like he doesn't really have slow starts. Like he he's productive every quarter of every game, on and on and on and on. And we mentioned him running into a wall, but give him credit in this one 26 points four assists hyper efficient 10 for 19 from two um missed only two threes he took but going six for six from the line and and like this was a weird game is i i i i take like three pages of notes during these games i i, I wrote down two things on brunson the whole game is it just it just sort of felt typical for him and and a lot of the the points he was getting like kind of came in pseudo garbage time like he got i think six inside the final minute um where where the nets were basically giving him layups, but they have a really good stretch late in the third where the Knicks were making their big run. They were down by 18 points at one point in the third, cut it all the way down to eight with, with Brunson recording two different and ones, including one where he just, just blew by Yuta Wananabe and then danced around Edmund summer, put in um, just, just a really tough floater um, the ability to create space. Still brilliant shot making still brilliant, kind of a typical Brunson game, but Honestly, given what Kyrie was doing, like I, I wanted Brunson to to get a little fire in his eyes and, and kind of try to match 
Kyrie shot for shot and, and in terms of his creation ability. And, and that just did not happen this way. I mean, Kyrie, like outside of the 32 points, put that aside. Also nine assists, six rebounds, two steals, and just, I mean, honestly, if this, if this was a game, game for which one of those two gets in the all-star game, and it, it could come down to the two of them potentially, like you, you'd have to, like, I mean, you could, you could certainly make the argument the, the off the court and being like the biggest and one of the worst stories in the NBA in recent years justifies Kyrie being excluded. But player for player, like Kyrie outshined him in this one. That sucks to say. Uh, Julius, um, mixed night from him. I mean, I mentioned the, the spaciness um, defensively um, from Julius at, at points in this one, uh, which is, is always super frustrating. Um also had a play where he fought with Jericho Sims for a rebound, which really just bothers me. Like, like the only thing that bothers me more, I think, is when Julius insists on taking technical free throws when he's the third or fourth best free throw shooter on the court. That's annoying. Him fighting for rebounds and, and letting the other team get the ball. That that really sucks. Um, his passing uh, remains fantastic, though. Um, and his ability to to draw, it, it it's the same sequence over and over again. He draws a mismatch, pulls his way to the middle of the floor, recognizes the second defender is going to come, hits a three-point shooter. One play was Quentin Grimes. One play was R.J. Barrett. He did it over and over and over again. And and just the the patience around the rim is at, is at a rare level this year. And his insistence at getting to the basket, not taking no for an answer. When in past years, he said, you know what? I kind of want to just take a mid-range shot anyways. This year, it is, it is pivoting two, three, four times on Nick Claxton, using his strength to, to move Claxton and, and then just finishing um, at the basket. And it, it was cool to see Randall go after a guy who may well end up winning defensive player of the year um, this season. He was, he was at points the only reason the Knicks were in this game, particularly in the third quarter when, when the Nets were just raining threes and the Knicks were kind of responding like, all right, that's your game. Our game is bullying you inside. Um, in that sense, Julius Randall was kind of emerges as the face of this team, even, even maybe surpassing Brunson um, in that respect at points. Quentin Grimes, um, mixed mixed bag from him. Um, I'm I've been a little bit, and I've, I've said it on the pod. I've been disappointed overall in, in his play the last twenty games or so. I expected more from him as a three point shooter. We, we noted quickly getting really hot the last ten games. Brunson, or rather Grimes, going the opposite direction, shooting thirty four and a half percent from three in January um, after hitting thirty nine percent of his threes in December. Um, also missed a wide open layup in this game. Did have a couple of really big offensive rebounds in the fourth quarter, one for a putback layup, one for an awesome putback dunk on, on a quickly three that just went in and out. Defensively, like he was he was solid in this game, did all he could on Kyrie. Kyrie is just he's, he's an impossibly tough matchup, right? Like there's not like you could you could throw Drew Holiday out there. There's not really a defender on earth that is absolutely uh shutting down Kyrie Irving. Um the the three balls need to start going in, just two for 17. And I thought Doris Burke had an interesting comment on Grimes. She said he was he was kind of rushing his clo- his, his his attacking of closeouts, and that was an area right where he was as good as anyone in the NBA early this season. And it, it has faltered just a little bit the last couple of games or so. Like had had one tonight where he got by the closeout as he, as he seems to do almost automatically, but then tried to force a slip pass inside instead of jump stopping, taking a beat, and, and seeing that. I think it was RJ Barrett was wide open in the left corner, and, and that ended up being a turnover. And then the other way is rushing, which which I've said a couple of times is. Um, his three-point shot in clutch situations, like Randall had that kick out to him. It was to make it, this was in the last two minutes. It was to make it either a two or th- I think it was to make it a two-point game. Maybe it was to make it a one-point game. Might've been when the Knicks were down four 
and Grimes stepped back into it. There was no one within 15 feet of him. Like, and we saw Joe Harris and Royce O'Neal and Seth Curry for the Nets. Like all, all well, Harris and Curry, uh, all-time shooters, and Royce O'Neal, a very good one. And they took their time on those shots. They uh, were patient, set their feet, stroked it. And Grimes just seems to put this pressure on himself to like, uh, and it's, it's almost this internal feeling of, if I, if I wait, if I take my time, um, it's going to look ugly if I miss it. So let me, let me just rush it. And he, he does that. He's done that a, a bunch the last few games. And it feels like he's, I don't want to see like one for his last seven or eight, um, like shooting threes inside the last two minutes. Like it's not, it's not a good look right now. Uh, Jericho Sims had some good offensive rebounds in this game, finished with five of them. So that was awesome. But just got got clowned by by Claxton at points. Uh, Claxton finished with 30, uh, 13, 12, and six in this game. Uh, that was that was a total mismatch. Uh, Deuce, um, it feels like it's just so hard for Deuce to score the basketball. Like like nothing really seems to come easy for him, um, and that's a bummer because he is he is an absolutely elite defensive player. Quick shout out to Isaiah Hartenstein: eight points, five boards, two assists in just twenty minutes. Um, I would have preferred if he got. A little bit more time over Jericho Sims. I'm sure there's there's stuff that uh, Tibbs is seeing defensively with Sims that, and and just more of a similarity to the Mitch that is, is keeping him with the starting lineup. But I, I, I think the the starters honestly could have used the verve that Hartenstein provides as, as a passer and and at least like a nominal spacer compared to someone like Sims. Be so often when Sims is out there, the Knicks are playing four on five, and and not that Hartenstein like he, he is he out before this week was coming off just a horrifically bad stretch of offensive basketball. Um, but he seems to be finding a stride again. Like he attacked like a couple of, of mismatches for, for jump hooks had, had, I think this maybe was one of the first times we saw this from him all year, like a rip through from the top of the key on Dayron sharp, a lefty drive to the lane for a layup. That was encouraging. Really nice effort for him. Obi Toppin, MIA in this one finished with four points Had one play where he ran down the court Had one play where he got a nice seal on Joe Harris, but just, just not, not exactly what you want uh, from Obi Toppin. Uh, so that's it for this episode of Locked on Knicks. Thank you so much for tuning in. As I said before, I'm on vacation, so Alex will take you through next through this week and most of next week, but then uh, after that, we'll be back for regularly scheduled uh, programming <laughs> on this show. But remember to like, subscribe. Uh, I haven't said this in a while, so I'll throw it out there. Um, leave us leave us a nice review on iTunes. That, that completely makes my day. So if you like the show, uh, yeah, we, we'd really appreciate that. Here on Locked on Knicks, but until next time, I'm Gavin. Talk to you soon. Peace out.